Welcome to the Straight Talk on Fleet podcast with Aaron Gilchrist. Each week, Aaron will be breaking down fleet management, trying to cut through the noise and get down to the real issues safety and operations leaders are struggling with every day. The goal will be to get to the bottom of how leaders can break down these silos of information, accelerate change management, how to use real-time accurate data to drive massive efficiencies across fleet-focused business processes, and to elevate people's careers with emerging best practices. Now it's time for the Straight Talk on Fleet. Hello again, Fleet community. We are back for another episode of the Straight Talk on Fleet. I'm Erin Gilchrist-Rugg, and I am the VP of Fleet Evangelism. Cool title, right? It just means that I get to do this every day. Um, at IntelliShift, um, fleet management's hard, and we know probably harder than it needs to be. So what I like to do on my podcast is sort of break it down fleet manager style and bring you relevant content for the fleet community to grow so we can elevate our careers as fleet leaders and learn from each other. And we're going to do that today for sure. So I'm super thrilled to announce our guest today, my longtime friend and colleague, yay, <laughs> Laura Joswiak. Laura is the SVP of Client Relations and Sales at Wheels. So Laura, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am a follower of your podcast and I really enjoy it. And I have to say, and I told you this off podcast line, your voice is so soothing. I can listen to it all day. So thank you for taking the complex and the challenging, and then it's soothing to listen to. So I really thank enjoy you. it. Can you tell my kids that? Because I don't think they think my voice is super soothing, but well, maybe it I, depends on what you're saying. I love to hear exactly. It's all about like content and delivery, yeah. right? So on that note, let me tell you a little bit about Wheels first. So Wheels is one of the largest fleet management companies um, in North America. They feature a very large portfolio, so um, 800 plus thousand vehicles they manage across the continent um, with a global alliance in 64 countries. So in their client base consists of some of the best known businesses in the world, which many of you watching will know, and some of you watching our clients. So and thank you for that. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and, and for IntelliShifters out there, thank you for your business. This is just what we get to do to bring um, great content to the fleet industry. So let's dig in a little bit here. So first off, a question I love to ask is, the fleet industry is an interesting industry um, and I've enjoyed working in it for so long, but tell us a little bit about how you got into fleet. It's always the best question to ask because <laughs> nobody really grew up saying, I'm gonna go on the fleet industry or I'm gonna be a fleet manager. And, and so how do we all fall into this space? So mine's kind of a, a funny story. Um, I was living in Vermont with my husband at the time, probably, I think, boyfriend, uh, or, and then ended up coming back to Chicago, where I'm from, um, and uh, I needed a job. And I didn't really, I needed a job, and I just needed a job quickly, and just like, let's get back grounded, and I'm a good typist, I'm a good organizer, and I like, let's just, let's go out there and see what kind of job I can get quick. and. I called up a, a, an ad and it was for MK, a fleet management company. MK Absolutely. has always been in my heart as teaching me this industry. I'll always be grateful for that. And I started there as an admin. And I'm Perfect. like, great, let's just get in, let's get going. I don't understand anything that's going on around me, but doesn't matter. I'm good at what I'm doing and, and uh, away we go. About three months into this, seems like three months, maybe it was a year, but it was not a long amount of time. They asked me to stay after work. Like my one boss asked me to stay after like, work. And I'm like, Yikes. did I do anything wrong? <laughs> I don't think I did. I was on time. What did I do wrong? Yes. So I, um, I stayed after and she said to me, um, the license and title department 
lead director resigned today and left and the whole staff left with her. Would you like to take it over? And I knew nothing. Okay, and I said, I have like a driver's that's a tough license. Area. <laughs> this is like the worst area. It's the worst area. And so I I I naively knew nothing and mm -hmm. said, sure, sounds like fun. I'll happy to do it. That's the lore that I know. <laughs> I'll figure it out. So I figured it out. The next day came in and now I have an empty department. I have no idea what's going on. There's of course paperwork on everybody's desk, whether it's titles or registrations or violations or whatever it may be, that I slowly just figure it out. Mm -hmm. And we create our own kind of rapid tag system. We called it quick tag, I think at the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I started to love it. And then I, I kind of cleaned up that mess and put it in place. And then they said, would you go to ops? Would you go to, I mean, acquisitions. So go to acquisitions. I, I did that for a little while. Um, fuel, property tax. I just bounced around for 10 years there, learning the industry. And, and going got a hands-on education. It was like my own little CAFM, yes. <laughs> which actually during MK years, I got my CAFM mm -hmm. um, to understand as I was falling in love with the industry, I wanted to understand how do I give more? How do I understand what the clients are going through? And what better way than here at NAFA um, to then go through the CAFM program uh, and, and accomplish that. And I was very grateful for MK to allow me to do that as well. And then 20, that was 10 years there and 20 years I've been at wheels now. So it's wild. And I think about this idea of CAFM and what NAFA has to offer. And by the way, folks, if you, if you don't know, we're coming to you live from the NAFA INE this year. Um, we're in the wheels coffee lounge, just <laughs> right above the expo, the expo just closed <laughs> and everybody's sort of tooling around and we get to sit here and shoot this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's so great. But, um, you know, NAFA has provided such a great sort of segue for people to go from, I got thrown into fleet sort of like you did yeah. and make their way through all the different aspects of fleet management, which is what we talk about on the podcast all the time. So that's a great, how I got into fleet story. <laughs> I love that. And sort of baptism under fire. So that's how we roll. It is how we roll. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, throughout it, then you fall in love with it and you really fall in love with the people. Mm -hmm. Um, and oh, yeah. it makes you want to know more, to give back more. And that's what I've, everybody's like that within fleet. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's like family. Yeah, I agree. Um, which makes this job for me so much oh, fun. I, I mean, I'm grateful to IntelliShift for, you know, kind of coming up with this idea where we could create this community. It doesn't really exist today. So it's just such a fun way to engage the fleet industry. And what, what we always want to do is help fleet managers think about their jobs differently. Yeah. You know, so this is a great segue to the next sort of question. So what advice, um, and it doesn't have to be for new fleet leaders, but likely, you know, there's a lot of new people coming into our space where they're coming from a different part of the industry or they walked by their CFO's office on the wrong day and got handed the fleet. <laughs> I mean, yeah. or, you know, tag and title, you never know. Yeah. Um, but just advice for people coming into the industry. You know, I think that my answer is different today than it would have been even 10 years ago or five years ago. Yeah. Um, in the past, I would have said to somebody, go to NAFA, go to AFLA, mm -hmm. meet people, learn, um, be open to all those experiences and network, network, network. Yeah. It's still the same, but goodness, it's more important. It, there Absolutely. is just so much influx of new new companies coming into our space, mm -hmm. new vendors, new support systems. The whole electrification of fleet 
alternative fuels, everything, it's just new. So to your point, whether you're just coming in fleet or you've been in fleet for 30 years like <laughs> I have, be open. You don't know everything and it changes every day. And, if, and, and recognizing that and reaching out to people and being open to hear things and then please give back and share to those that ask you questions is still my recommendation for people, but I think it's even that much more important now. And go to multiple different conferences. Right, everyone's so willing to share, you know, where, how they got into fleet, what they've learned. Um, there's education sessions at a lot of the events. I mean, NTEA, NAFA, um, AFLA's coming up, which yeah. is another really great um, organization association in the fleet industry. So it's great advice, but I also, I, I love the idea of saying that the answer is the same, but things are ever changing in the fleet industry, tech's changing. Do we still want to do the same things? We want to be safe and efficient. That never changes, but the way to be safe and efficient has changed dramatically. A lot. And so yes. the amount of data that fleet gives us, the leveraging on new technologies that we can harness that to give actionable insights, to really drive something forward, whatever that something is for yep. that company, I just think it's at a whole new level for us. And it I is about what got us here is not going to get us to the future of where we need to go. I say that consistently on my podcast and I always talk about build for safety and everything else will fall in the line. And I think about like all the challenges that the last few years have presented, but every year present challenges. It's sh getting our vehicle shipped. I mean, think about all the years when the vehicle got built and upfitted and you just wanted to get it to your location and, and something happened. Rail car delays. Or, right. right, always new challenges. So thinking about that, you know, you have the privilege of working with fleet leaders every day mm -hmm. and as your clients and your customers. So what are people, what are fleet leaders coming to you with? What are their challenges? What's top of mind for them? Um, what's keeping them up at night? I hate that sort of a cliche because hopefully everyone sleeps well. <laughs> um, we don't sleep well at NAFA. Um, we don't. It's, it's a busy few days. Yeah. But what are they coming to you with? The number one thing is electrification of the fleet. Yeah. And, and everyone is on a different path of the journey, but really everybody now is on that journey somewhere, whether they're either thinking about doing a pilot or phase one, uh, mm -hmm. if they're in it right now, or they've already gone full board in and they're at 70, 80% of their fleet electri electrification. It, it is the number one topic, mm -hmm. how to do it, how to do it well, what are, the, what are the milestones, what are the driver behavior changes that have to happen? Data. Data, and I think the, the hardest thing is I tr I try to I talk to clients about this all the time. Get past the headlines. Yeah, absolutely. The That's great advice. Are out there, if you just sit and watch TV for any amount of time, <laughs> you're going to see an EV commercial coming on, and it makes it feel like to mm -hmm. the to the audience that you can get EVs anytime you want. Right. Well, you can't. Yet. No. And so, and then about what the charging looks like and the infrastructure and all of those different things, they're all doable. Mm -hmm. We do it all the time, but I think we have to fight the headline as an industry and as to you fleet managers into your own companies, know that your, imagine that your <laughs> bosses who are making decisions are just reading the headline and they think that the headline is all that matters and you have to constantly be educating them beyond the headline. So, so educating them, it, that's the key. Them. So I, yes. and I talk about, okay, how do we do that? Data. So, you know, I'm sure that you service fleets that aren't yet using telematics. Yep. I mean, and yes. think about 
how do you um, create that uh, vision, that message without data? It's hard. So if you want to electrify, I mean, one of the biggest steps is identifying what parts of your fleet are sort of ripe or ready to transition to EV. If you're going to get your toe in the water or yeah. if you're going more full bore without the analytics to say, okay, here, here are vehicles that um, would be good candidates for replacement. You need data. You do. So are you guiding your um, customers and saying, hey, you, we got to get some technology in the assets. You, you absolutely do. And you can do some things without it. Mm -hmm. It's just not as reliable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, doing the EV assessments, like you were saying, so mm -hmm. what are the drivers in geography? We know by fuel cards, how many miles they may drive in between fuel up. Right. But how many right. miles are they doing a day? And on average, because yeah. that's what's going to be able to dictate if they can get an EV yeah. or not. Yeah, and even taking it that step further is that sort of how does, if they're going to do hybrid or full EV, you know, there's so many things that driver behavior can mm -hmm. tell us about vehicle operation and, and what it'll be like if that driver's transitioned into an EV. So it's a great, it's a great conversation, but it is daunting right now for fleet leaders to try to figure out, one, should I be doing it? Yes. yes. Should I be thinking about it? Sure. But how do I step my toe in the water? It is. You know? And then you have some clients that are doing it at all cost. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We yeah. have an initiative. We're going to do it. Right. And we have some clients that says we want it, but it needs to be cost neutral to what current costs are today. Even more challenging. Yep. And then again, it's all about, you're not going to be able to do it all at once. So chart out that path on what it is that is best for you mm -hmm. and do all that obviously yeah. and then being able to share that internally to get that buy-in and so you're not constantly playing whack-a-mole on everybody's new ideas yeah. like set out your path and know that it has to constantly be refreshed when we have new technology new vehicles coming out new infrastructure we have to keep going and then i'm going to go back to that's why it's so important to keep fresh with everything that we mm -hmm. have available to us because it changes every day i do and i think that under the heading of ev i always think about um, and I've talked about this on my podcast, thinking about your overall sustainability strategy and not thinking about EV as the silver bullet, but yet going, how do I lightweight? How do I control driver behavior, which will have an incredible impact on your um, sustainability efforts because you're going to, you know, reduce consumption right. when drivers are driving the way that, you know, the vehicle is supposed to be driven safely and efficiently. And you can only know that when you're managing and monitoring that. But I think about as an overall sustainability plan, first build one, yeah. build a sustainability plan, partner with the leaders in your organization and operations and HR and legal. EHS uh, even, it gets very yes, much involved in risk this. and talk about sustainability overall. And then EV will be just another part of your overall sustainability plan. It's a very good point because let's face it, is EV going to be the end state? Or is it going to be another form? Right. And so we have to be flexible in understanding that. Mm -hmm. And also, too, uh, do you have too many vehicles in your fleet? You most likely do. <laughs> and so once you mm -hmm. look at all this data, you can understand what's underutilized as well. Right. And, and, and right-sizing, that that's, right. that's a great sustainability effort, but it's a great efficiency effort. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's another topic that, I mean, it's it's evergreen for fleet managers. Um, it is, and right now- And I'm now, sure you hear that all oh, the time. Oh, totally. And right now when there's constraints on even getting vehicles, nobody wants to let go of what they have. Right. And so that I think is something we're gonna have to really dig back into 
once we do have that capacity that we need is okay now let go of all that stuff you've been holding on to just in case yeah that's a tough sell yeah but again data information like hey you know if vehicles aren't at their max productivity then think about you know and i think doing vehicle productivity analyses is fun mm -hmm. it's something that a lot of fleet leaders might not be thinking about um, but it's data can help us do that, understanding which assets are the most productive, which ones are not, and figuring out how you can do more with less. I think that's the story of our life in fleet. It really is. Because, you know, our organizations look at us like cost centers instead of revenue generous, generators. And we, we can be. We oh, can absolutely. Be, if and, approached the right way. And to your point, if as a fleet manager, you partner with your head of sales, um, whether like say you're a distribution of auto parts or whatever it may be, right. those vehicles are theirs for a service. So what's the revenue that's being generated from that vehicle? Absolutely. And then compared to those costs. And if you overlay that, you are able to get better insights that I think in fleet, we tend to stay into our own and I think if we reach out and say that vehicle is there for a purpose, yes. what's the business purpose and how do I help transform the business to make the fleet even that much more efficient? I agree. It's about using operational metrics yeah. and tying it in. And, and that's about getting hand in hand with the other people inside your organization. And when you, when fleet and ops come together, I think this idea of revenue per vehicle um, in my mm -hmm. prior role as a fleet manager, we were serving customers on a mobile basis. So a brilliant analyst who worked for me said, okay, what if we did fleet costs per mobile customer served? Oh, hello. love that. Then operations was like, oh, now I know how much fleet costs are a part of what I get paid to do. That's right. And so that profit per unit is the same as, okay, what part of that profit per unit has been eaten up by fleet cost? So, and then when you you go out into your organization and you tell your ops leaders, hey, stop idling right. or monitor the driver's behavior. I'm sending you great reports or there's a great dashboard or there's a great app that we're using. Manage that because you can see the impact that that's going to have on your fleet cost per whatever, I, you know, that brilliant. operational that's metric. A, so tying great those example. together with your operational partners is like, a great way to move the needle in your organization. And I think it really elevates the value of the fleet office. Yes. That's what we're trying to do that's on this podcast, yes. people. Yeah. Tell us what you think. Bring your ideas. <laughs> um, but that's great. Anything else pop up? I know EV is a huge topic. Anything else your I mean, clients are bringing to you? Right right now, still in this environment, costs are, are, costs are rising. We know that with interest rates and Challenge. fuel and challenges there. So that's still a number one goal of everybody and how to contain that. Um, and then also just the supply state, the supply uh, constraints. Yes. Um, will yeah. the, will we get back to no allocations? You know, there's some pros and cons with allocations. That True. As long I as, totally agree. yeah, I don't mind the allocations if what they tell you can be higher yeah. and you get them all. Yep. Um, so will that go away or not? I don't know, but we, we definitely need more vehicles. And yes. when we're moving into, when you have the goals that some of our clients have to get to zero carbs, like zero carbs, like what I try to eat every day, zero, <laughs> Same. zero, unsuccessfully, zero emissions, unsuccessfully, um, <laughs> zero emissions by a certain year, it's going to take vehicles. Yeah, and if we is. don't have them, we're not going to achieve those goals for everybody. And so, again, I, when that opens up, I think we're going to have a wonderful opportunity for people to get to their goals, refresh their vehicles, improve the driver experience as yeah, well, because absolutely. they'll have something new. and The latest and greatest. Yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, 
I think the, the best approach is, you know, how do you, um, you know, really extend that asset life in an efficient and safe way. And it's all about tools and tech and data. And you, you use the word actionable insights earlier that is the key way. And I talk about it all the time and more so that fleet leaders will say, Hey, I'm going to find a way to put my data into one place. Yeah. You know, and that's what we do at IntelliShift and glean the insights that it takes every day to mitigate risk and to increase efficiency, to lower your costs, to, you know, um, expand and extend your vehicle life because you can't get new ones. It's that's the, in the meantime approach, yeah, right? And data is going to always be the best play for, for everything that we're going to do now and, and going forward. So we'll have to see if you, if you were successful, what does the data show? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. I love it. I mean, EVs, daunting stuff. <laughs> um, okay. So in terms of your solutions, you know, at wheels, like, so we talked about EV. So how are you helping clients understand this like return invest on investment analyses what's the approach there we'll, we'll talk about that one since it's kind of the big one it is um, that you brought up uh, really it does start with education um, education up out down everywhere because yeah. um, everyone has a different view of it and so really the solutions on how to engage all the key stakeholders and make sure that we're addressing mm -hmm. their specific needs the drivers of the vehicles are going to have a different viewpoint and different mm -hmm. questions uh, than you know the the head of ESG at, the, at, at your company. And so yep. making sure that we're doing that and bringing that, so going out and then coming back in, mm -hmm. coming back in, taking the data, EV assessments, uh, who can get into one, do they live in a, in a condo and they <laughs> we can't put a charger in, they may not be the best, yes. uh, best driver to So many to things to with. think about. Um, and yeah. so, and all of that is now becoming, that's the easier part now, that's more matter of routine. I think the hardest part is that is that changing that driver behavior we have found that some of our clients' drivers, they're all for it, but not just for them right yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so how do we get out there on the mission that we're trying to serve by doing this for their clients, for, for us, for our children, uh, getting into that mission so that they're more on board? How do you entice them to take in that EV? Or to your point, maybe it's not EV. Maybe they can't get an EV, but they can, we can help them drive more uh, efficiently. Right. Along the way. You know, and I think this idea of if we're introducing new technology like telematics, just so we can start to really build the data sets to make these bigger moves into EV, I think about how do we show the drivers and the operations leaders what's in it for them and really being able to get that messaging across to the organization that you really do care. Yeah. It's about building the culture of safety. I've, I've done a culture of safety podcast. I've done a change management podcast. Which very important. Really, I listened to that. It was very good. And thank you. And I think, guys, that was episode five. But the change management is the place to start because that's how you engage the C-suite and all the different or organizational units, legal, HR, ops, risk, fleet, getting everybody in the same room to have those conversations. And we, as fleet leaders, we don't know everything. We we wear a lot of hats, but we don't know everything. No. So engage the people in your organization, no matter what you're trying to do, but especially big moves like new tech and ca cameras and telematics and EVs, um, because then you have a team around you that helps you deliver a clear messaging and a cohesive message to your C-suite so you can move the needle and engage your uh, supplier partners. Um, they've done this, they they do this every day and, and we, as a collective supplier partner group can help you bring your visions to life and tell your story no matter what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the pieces that 
I think as an industry, we need to start talking about differently. And I think it really plays into this whole uh, electrification journey. Mm-hmm. You've said it, I've said it, we all say it. We call the end user of the people in our vehicles drivers. Yeah, we have vehicles, we have drivers. That's what we do in fleet. Yes. They're not drivers. These are not, most of them, are not CDL licensed drivers and no. that's their profession. No. They are doing something in that They're vehicle. vocational. They're doing vocational work. They would prefer that, probably not yes. to drive. Right. <laughs> and so yes. when we're looking at this experience and the change management that has to take place, I think if we change our mindset that these are not just drivers, they're out there killing bugs, they're delivering life-changing or, or saving medications or uh, a, a, nip, a, a knee replacement to the operating room. I mean, yes, these are the, what these dri- yeah. these are what these drivers are doing. Right. Trying to come up with what is another name, because I think if we drivers isn't as personalized. No, you're right. And so if we can personalize them when we're making these decisions. I think that we can connect better to what it is that they need in order to make their lives easier so that they can go and do the job that they need to do for all of our clients. Yeah. And I that's do a think great point. the labeling, I think, gets in our way where we make it more flat and easier to do than it may is. And mm-hmm. how do we include them into it as well? Right. So I've been mulling around. If somebody has a different idea than you know, your colleagues or users or I well, love that. What's the word? Share some ideas with us because this is a great point and I think it'll really help engage your drivers and help them buy into what you're trying to do, whether it's around new tools and tech, just safety, um, convincing them that driving safely um, is really, really important and it's also super efficient. But whatever you're trying to do, that's a a great point. Maybe we we think about how we label label, um, our drivers because they're doing vocational work. You know, they're doing HVAC or their, you know, lawn care, whatever the case may be, connecting their vocation with their professional driving that we need them to do is really important. Because if you ask them, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. but if you ask any of our drivers, what are they? No one's going to say they're a driver. No, they're going to say, I'm a glass technician. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an insurance claim adjuster. Mm -hmm. They're not going to say they're a driver. So I already we're at a disconnect when we're not, yep. yes, they drive the vehicle. And but, that's just a means by which they get to their real right, job right. every day. Right. And I think it's some, some points I would offer um, to the fleet community listening is um, think about their vehicle as a mobile workstation. Yes. And when you think about it as a mobile office, no matter what they do, you're going to design it with them in mind. Get them involved in that process. It's huge. Um, drivers have great insights. They are out there doing that work every day. The other thing is, um, when I was running a fleet, I would encourage and then require my supplier network. I don't care if you were putting decals on a vehicle, you were my fleet management partner, you're my maintenance or fuel partner. I had them get in the vehicles and do ride-alongs with the drivers and come back and report to me and say, here's what I learned. Here's some things your drivers are experiencing. And here's how we can make their life better. Mm-hmm. You know, so this all goes into this conversation is how do we treat them differently? Maybe we call them something different. So we'd love to hear your yes, feedback, I really would. fleet community on, on that topic. Cause it, that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we have loved coming to you today from NAFA. Um, we have another day of NAFA. We're super excited. Laura, thank you for oh, joining thank you me. For having it's me. great it's to see pleasure. you and spend time and 
if, if you guys have found this content um, helpful today, like and subscribe wherever you find content. We're kind of everywhere. But until next time, we like to say on the Straight Talk on Fleet, keep it real, keep it safe for Fleet's sake. And thanks for listening. And thank you again. Thank you, Erin. All, right. All right. Bye, everybody. Awesome. Bye, guys.